I want to uh, have you open your Bibles this morning. And as you're getting them open, I want to I preach a message I've never preached before. The Lord gave me this. I'm excited about it this morning. And I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 22, if you would. Run you through just a few uh, verses. Actually, let's go to Mark 8 instead. Mark 8. I'm going to tell you what Proverbs 22 says. It talks about having a good name, and having a good name is better than having riches. We've talked about that verse before. You can't take anything with you when you die except your name. Amen? So I want to talk about this morning uh, what Mark 8 says. Say amen if you're there. Verse 36 says, What would profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? How many have heard that verse before? What would profit a man if he gains his own soul? The hope gains the whole world and loses his own soul. And I think it's kind of interesting, the song we sang, the last worship song, where it says, what can I say, what can I do? Because the following verse says, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Have you ever thought about that? What can we honestly give in exchange for what God has given us? Amen? So I want to I um, read you a few things this morning about people's last words. Just a few. Ginger Alden, which was the fiancé of Elvis Presley, said his final words in 1977 during a night of sleeplessness as he told Alden, I'm going to the bathroom to read. Those were his famous last words. I'm going to the bathroom to read, and we know the rest is history. Johnny Ace, an R&B singer, died in 1954 while playing with a pistol. During a break in his concert set, his last words were, I'll show you that it won't shoot. Richard Feynman, a a physicist, author, musician, professor, and traveler, died in Los Angeles in 1988, and his last words were, this dying is boring. And Benjamin Franklin lay dying at the age of 84. His daughter told him to change position in bed so he could breathe more easily, and Franklin's last words were, a dying man can do nothing easy. Now, how many know that we all have a dying last word. Amen? I want you to think this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab an illustration of this. It's going to be very simple, but I want you to see something. I'm going to come sing a solo here in the choir. Just kidding. I'm really not. I'm going to get baptized. Get my props ready here. I'm going to hang somebody. Who volunteers? <laughs> Paul raises him first. <laughs> Brenda, did you raise his hand for him? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to hang you. <laughs> Availability. Amen. That's the new message. Can I walk over here? Turn me down just a little bit. Sounds like it's going to make that noise, huh? So my... Cu- my, my, my cousin's here, so I'm going to hang him. <laughs> Just kidding. I want you to look at this rope right here, and you can't even really see if you look real close every strand, right? They're really small, right? So the real small strands. Help me out. Turn me down. I can yell. See those? I want you to picture that every single strand... On, these, on this rope, every single one of them, 
is a thousand years. Okay, every little little one you can barely see. See that sarenita? See how small that is? Just look real close, real pretty too, huh? Pretty white. How many like white stuff? It's pretty clean. This here, see it, Josh? You're familiar with rope, aren't you? Yep. Yep. Just picture every single strand is a thousand years. Okay? We don't even know what a thousand years is. And then just picture this rope going back there behind the stage and continuing and going and going and going to all the way up through North Texas, up through Oklahoma, all the way up into Canada, all the way up to the North Pole, all the way back down to the South Pole, and then wrapping around the world as many times as you can count. And every little strand is a thousand years. And that's the timeline of you and I's eternity. Okay? How many know that our minds can't even really even go there? But it's, it's a visual. Sometimes when we see something visual, it helps just picture that going out and going on and on and on and on and on. And on. So what that really means is we can't even fathom how long eternity is. Okay? So this rope is the timeline of your eternity. And this right here is your life. That little tiny thing right there, this little span right there is your entire life. And how many know that what we do with our little tiny lives is we focus everything we do on this little red line? And most people don't ever, ever. Now, we think about it a little bit more than the world does, but people don't ever, ever think about after this red line. Right? And what starts an eternity. We've always said we don't have any choice if we're going to live forever. We have to get that clear. We don't have that choice. God did not ask us, do you want to be beings that live forever? He says, you will live forever. We are immortal. He just gave us the choice of where we would spend it and what we would spend it doing. Now I want to ask another question. Um, and you can just throw some stuff out. It'll pick up on the, on the podcast. Um, when you were younger, Donnie, what did you want to be? Just throw something out. First thing that comes to your mind. When you were younger, you wanted to be something when you got older. Yep. Soldier, okay, and you became a soldier. Awesome. Jesse, what did you want to be when you were younger? So, police officer, okay. Brian, what did you want to be when you were younger? A lawyer, okay. Johnny? MC Hammer. All right, we know that didn't happen, but that's okay. All right. Maybe you, we don't know if you can dance like him either. Maybe. Amen. Robert, what did you want to be when you were younger, growing up? Businessman, okay. Destiny, what do you want to be when you get older? Pediatric oncologist. Oh, that's a big one. Parker, what do you want to be? Engineer? Okay. So we could go around the entire sanctuary and we could ask everybody what they want to be. When we're little kids, if we went to the nursery and the Sunday school room and everything today, we would begin to ask people, what do you want to be when you get older? Everybody has something, right? We, we all, and a lot of times, uh, many of them are police officer, lawyer, you know, some of those doctor, some of those really big um, uh, jobs. And then sometimes also we people, like you said, we have people we want to be like. But how many know that very rarely do we ever become really what we wanted to be when we were younger? I had a couple of people that said they, they, they did. But a lot of times that's just dreams and different things like that. And I said all that to say this. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. This is the title of the message, and I want this to resonate inside of your spirit this morning. We ask people, what do you be, want to be when you get older? What do you want to be when you get grown? I want to ask you this question this morning. What do you want to be when you die? 
Let that sink in for a second. What do you want to be when you die? That's never, that's a weird question, right? No one's ever asked that. No, I'm fine, thank you. No one's ever asked that question, right? I've never been asked that question. What do you want to be when you die? Well, the Lord really got me thinking about this, and I'm going to hang this up here so you can see it, because I want you to just keep that visual in front of you of this little tiny, actually I'm going to bring it around this way. This little tiny red piece of tape is your life. And what are we doing with it? Okay? So everybody's got the visual. Now, we read there, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose your soul? We heard some famous last words from some people. And it says, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? I want you to think about what Jesus said. He said, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Okay, that's a powerful verse. And I, I want us to understand that a lot of times when we look at this red piece of tape, this is our beginning, obviously, and this is the end. And we focus our entire beginning and our entire life usually on this little spot right here, right, when we want to retire. Is that true? Most of our life is spent, most, if, you, if we went out of here today and talked to people who had no spirituality or no God in their life, and many of us were that way, and you began to ask them, you know, about their life, you would see that their entire focus is on their retirement, right? If they have money saved, where they're going to spend it, everybody's working every single day of their life to be finished working. And if you really think about how interesting this is, people work their entire lives, okay? Most people retire just as an average around 65 years old. So they work 40 or 50 years to retire at 65, and if they have a really good life, they live to 85, so they have 20 years of what they wanted to do with their life. And we spend our entire lives for that 20 years. And most people, even, when they get to that age, don't even get to enjoy that time. You know why? Because we're, we're not promised anything more than today. We're not promised tomorrow. Okay? And I'll get to that in a second. But listen to these words again. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Now, how many... Especially being at Christmas time, I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, classic movie. If you have not seen that, I recommend you see it this, this Christmas season. It'll be on TV several times. And Jimmy, Jimmy, what's his name? Jimmy Stewart. Uh, you know, he, he's, it's an old black and white movie, and he hates his life. And he, he, he's just frustrated with it, and he's frustrated with what he doesn't have. And I'm not going to tell you the whole movie, but he goes through it, and basically he gets a second chance to go back and look at his life again and I want you to understand something. We don't get that. We're not in a movie. We don't get a wonderful life opportunity to go back and fix the things. Now, here's another question. I want to ask you to raise your hands. But if you begin to think about it, some of us would answer this question by raising our hands or we would say, yes, if, we were, if you were to be asked this morning, would you be born again somewhere else or to someone else or in a different place, would you? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know there are people that would. There are people who, were, who were, were born to a family that, you know, they were raised in a difficult situation or maybe born in a situation that, that was really bad. And if they could go back and do it again, they would. I know I can, we can go outside of the United States and there's all kinds of people around in different countries, war-savaged countries, problems, countries with problems that they would want to be born in a different place, okay? But how many know we don't get that choice either? Now, I want you to, Jeff, where did he go? My, oh, he, my, my man left me. Jeff didn't get raptured, did he? Okay. 
All right, well, we're not going to show that yet. I want you to think about this. When you think about your life, you have control over two things. I'm going to have Jeff put this up on the screen. You have control over, sorry, one thing. It's not the day you're born, and it's not the day you die. Take away suicide. You have absolutely no control over the day you're born, and you have absolutely no control over the day you die. Correct? Outside of suicide, absolutely no control. Now, most of us in here this morning were born in the 1900s. Okay? Most, I believe, most, except for little kids, if there was any kids in here, I think all of us, actually, because I'm thinking of my daughter being maybe the youngest, one of the youngest, and she was born in 1999. So we're born in the 1900s, so that, that fits all of us. Okay? And I want you to, sometimes we need to look at these things, and we, need, we can get so busy. You know, Brian said something at prayer. We can get so busy in our life. We can get so busy with work. We can get so busy with school. We can get so busy with family. We can get so busy with just everything that we do that we don't stop and think about that dash that goes in between our di- the day we were born and the day we die. Brian's celebrating a birthday today. We celebrate our anniversaries. My, my, my sister and brother-in-law and my cousins are celebrating their anniversaries this weekend. And all these things we celebrate, we come to these dates and we, we look back on them. But how, many, how often do we stop and think, what am I going to be when I die? Okay? I've given you a few minutes to think about that. It sounds weird, but you actually do have control over what you will be when you die. Because think about this. If you're talking about somebody and you mention a name of somebody, okay? Um, I'm gonna, I, I, I would like to think of a name that's not here. I don't think we have a Sean here, do we? Okay. So let's say we're talking about Sean. And I say the name Sean, and as soon as I say the name Sean... If we knew that Sean that I'm talking about, immediately, in the moment I say a name, and I'm not going to say anybody's name in here, of course, I don't want that to happen, but if I said the name Sean and we knew a Sean, immediately something would come into the mind of every single one of you in here that knows Sean. For you, it might be Sean is a jerk. For another person, it might be Sean is really nice. For another person, it might be Sean is lazy. For another person, it might be Sean is, is uh, arrogant and prideful. Y'all following me? Your name, that's why I start off with Proverbs 22.1. Your name that says to have a good name is better than gold and silver. What that means is, is when somebody says your name, that something good is tied to your name. Amen? That the life that you're living is tied to your name. None of us here will ever have the opportunity to be at our funerals. I don't want to sound morbid and I don't want to sound weird, but my entire life I've always thought about what it would be like. I don't think I'm the only one, but maybe I am. I've always thought what it would be like to be at my funeral. Amen? I think that that's pretty, a pretty common thought that we have, you know, because you would want to know what would they say about me? What would people think about me? I've always said I would never want to have to have the pastor lie at my funeral, Right? I would, want, I would want my life to be a celebration. So I'm not trying to be morbid with this message this morning, but this is a really good message going into this time of Christmas because we get so caught up in, in all the things. And I'm, and I'm always amazed by the Holy Spirit that Brian mentioned that at, at prayer. We don't talk uh, before services about what we're going to talk about. No one knows what I'm going to preach about. My dad doesn't know what the offering. We, don't, we, just, we just let the Holy Spirit lead us. But just the fact that he said that is amazing because we're, we're, we're on track with the Holy Spirit saying we cannot get caught up so much with what's going on in the world today of Christmas and Thanksgiving and all these things that we forget about what if today 
was my Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. Okay? Amen? You all with me? So I just really want you to think about that. As you look at that, here's the closest thing you're going to get to being at your own funeral. You can picture that your name is up there. And when I was looking at this, I, I could have put some gravestones up there. You know, there's a lot of famous people who have gravestones and have things written on them. And how many have ever seen the picture of the U-Haul behind the hearse? You ever seen that picture? You know, we have this mentality sometimes that we're going to take stuff with us. And, and there's never, I've never seen, I've seen a lot of funeral processions. I've been in a lot of funeral processions. I've never seen a U-Haul behind the car. I've never seen anything outside of the casket. Now, I've seen some family members put things in there and all that, and that's, that's all good and fine, but they're not even taking that with them. When you die and breathe your last breath, the only thing you're taking with you to eternity, to that rope that's going to go forever, is your name. And whatever's tied to your name. Amen? So if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. These are Jesus' words. A lot of people like to quote Jesus as this amazing, peaceful person. He never offends anybody. This is an offensive word. He says, if you love your life more than you love me, you'll lose it. But if you love me more than you love your life, you'll find it. Amen. How many have found that to be true in your life? Amen. You've given your life to Jesus and now you have actually found life. That when you've pulled that life back from Jesus, you've lost. You can gain the whole world. Steve Jobs died recently. Everybody knows that name. We know he founded Apple. He was a multi, I don't know if he was billion, he was majorly rich. And what do we know he died of? He died of cancer. How many know that if Steve Jobs could come back again, he would give, and if it was possible, he would give every dime of his, of his wealth to be healthy? Every dime. Okay? If you were to go back and talk to some of these people, like Elvis Presley, his famous last words, he would say to you today, if he could, stop going to my house every year, stop doing vigils at my house every year, stop worshiping me, I'm just a human being, I'm going to come back and do this different this time, because I wasted my life. Because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. He can be the greatest singer in the world, he can have all these, he can be the king of pop, but if he doesn't know Jesus Christ, he's a loser. He, that's, that's just the truth. He, he, he doesn't mean anything in eternity. If you really think about that, we're so, and I'm the same way. Listen, I, you know I love sports, and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I admire people and stuff like that. But then the, more, the older I got, the more I, I've met famous people. I've played basketball with famous people. I've, I've, you know, rubbed up against them. And the more I realize that, you know what, they put their pants on just like I do. Amen. They're just human beings. And it doesn't matter how famous you are, you can't take anything with you past the grave except your name and what's tied to your name. So you might be saying, what's in my dash? I want you to think about this for a second. What's in the dash between that arrow? See what that arrow is? What's in your dash? Your dash is this. It's like, the, it's like your social security number. It's like your birthday. It is everything that you are. Your dash is, it's kind of weird to look at that, and it's so small, but that's you. That's everything that you are. It's everything that you think. It's where you were born. It's who you are, where you are when you die. It's who you are when you die. It's why you die. It, what, what the dash means is, 
it, everything you are, you do, every place you've been, every place you've uh, thought about going, it's everything tied in that little tiny dash. And it's the only thing you have control over. I want to give you a statistic this morning. Ten out of ten people die. Amen. Crazy, huh? Ten out of ten people die. hundred out of a hundred die. There's two things we know for sure in the United States. What? We're going to pay our taxes and we're going to die. Right? Again, not trying to be morbid, but trying to get you to think about what is tied to my dash. Now, how many are thankful this morning for the blood of Jesus? I could go that way for a long time, but if we were beginning to talk about our dash, BC as we call it, because a lot of times we talk about ourselves and we say, you know, the BC Blake, you know, the BC me, we know that that BC person was a different person than the AC person. Amen? The after Christ. Can you thank God this morning for the blood? That changed your dash. And the miracle and the grace is that even somebody like Elvis Presley, and there's rumors and stuff like that, that if in his dying words he, he could have cried out to Jesus, he would be in heaven today no matter what he did. Amen? No matter what he did. So I want to I uh, show you another graphic, if you would, Jeff. And I want you to look at James chapter 4. It's the last scripture I'm going to ask you to look at this morning. I want you to really think about this. James chapter 4. It's going to take just a couple more minutes. Give me an amen when you get there. James chapter 4. I'm going to read this. Verse 13. It says, now listen. This is what we do. We woke up this morning and we said, well, last, let's go back to last night. Last night we made plans. We're going to get up and we're going to go to church. Hopefully. Amen. That's a good thing to do. And uh, we said, we're going to go to church. So we're making plans. But James 4.13 says, when you say today or tomorrow... We will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? He says, he says you can't even say tomorrow. You know, you, go, you can say today, I got to go to work tomorrow. But unless God says you're going to work, you're not going to work. Okay, James 4.13. And then 14 says, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? So here's the question as we begin to close. What is your life? You don't have to answer that. And I hope this is one of those messages you think about for weeks. What is my life? What is my dash? What have I done with my life that has to do with what I will be when I die? Okay, remember the question is, what will you be or what do you want to be when you die? Okay, that's the question. Because the next verse says this. Here's the answer. What is my life? You say, what is my life? Let me tell you what your life is. Your life is a mist. Your life is a vapor. Because if we go back to this rope and we look at every tiny one of those little finite threads that represents a thousand years and that goes on forever, our life is a vapor. And if you're looking at this again, it, it kind of fell on me a little bit, but if you look at this again and see that little red tape is your life out of that entire rope, it's a vapor. Had a grandma that lived in 92. My wife's got family on her side that live into their late 90s. My, my, my father-in-law's here. His dad died at 100. I mean, people live, a long, people live long lives on this earth, and 100 years is nothing. It's a vapor. Okay? So he says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So he says, instead, you ought to say, if, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live, and we'll do this or we'll do that. The reason I have this picture up is this is a personal friend. It's in Spanish, obviously, and many of you have heard many times that Alta calls me use this example. I've never put this up, but I felt led to do it. Ran into some pictures this week. This is my friend Cito. 
You guys have heard me mention him many times when I do an altar call and I mention how short life is. Well, the cool thing about Sito is if you look at his age of birth, 1977, and you look at the dash, it's not a dash. It's a cross. And before he met Jesus, it would have just been a dash. When we get Jesus in our life, our dash becomes a cross. A cross from the old person to the new. From the bound to the free. From the, from the, from the guilty to the forgiven. Amen? From the lost to the found. From death to life. We cross over, amen, to a new person. And we can change our entire lives. Now, my daughters knew him very well, and they remember him very well. For some reason, they remember him playing dolls with them. I don't think that's exactly what he would have been re- wanted to be remembered as. But I met him playing basketball. I played five years of professional ball in Costa Rica, and when we were teammates, and we met, and when I met him, he was a weed-smoking, cussing, womanizing man. That's how he was when I met him, just like a lot of guys I meet on the court today. They're like that. We met, we began to drive together to practices, drive together to games, we became friends. And I was able to lead him to Jesus, thank God. Amen. Amen. And he gave his life to the Lord. And after he gave his life to the Lord, he's very famous in Costa Rica. He's still to this day, died in 2004, this is the 11th year. He's still to this day, every single year, has a humongous amount of people that gather at the court that he grew up at and do a big, hom- uh, um, what's the word, homage? Homage to him and his, his life. But I think that before he met Jesus, it would not have been the same. So the cool thing about Sito is when he got saved and he said the sinner's prayer with me, and he began to come over to my house, and that's where he met my daughters and began to play dolls, I guess. He'd come over to the house and we'd do Bible studies. And I began to tell him about the Word of God and teach him the Word of God. He stopped smoking weed. He stopped cussing. He stopped womanizing. He started serving the Lord. And he was also a professional basketball player. He played on the national team for Costa Rica. Brian, you're 27, 28, 26. 26. Okay, Brian, just stand up for one second just to embarrass you for a second. Brian's close to size as my friend Cito. Thank you. Nice, nice physical looking guy. Very close in age. So you can picture how young, if you look at the, the math there, how young my friend was when he died. Okay, 27 years old. Now I'm not speaking anything over you, amen? I'm just, just using you as an example. But just like me and Brian, we met on the basketball court, so you can kind of relate to the story. We became friends. Don't worry. Pastor Dustin used to joke around and say, all your friends die. <laughs> he said, I don't want to be your friend. But he's still alive. Amen? It's not true. All my friends don't die. But we began to be friends. I began to disciple him. He began to change. And the cool thing was, at the end of his life, of course, he did not know when that life would be ending. He began to play, and I remember him telling me one time, he was at the pinnacle of his career, he was playing for the national team, he was one of the best players in the country, he was an amazing basketball player, and we had the conversation, he said, sorry, he said, he said, hate when I do that, he said, Blake, I, I don't even care about basketball anymore, I just want to preach Jesus. Amen. And so he would go to these games, and they began to do these exhibition games, and they would fill up these schools and they would do dunks. I mean, this, dude, this guy could fly. If anybody knows anything about basketball, if I threw the ball anywhere within five feet, he's like Brian's brother, Mike. If I threw the ball anywhere within five feet of the backboard, he was dunking it. He was so fun to play, he could just fly. He was an amazing basketball player. So they would go and do these exhibitions at these schools. And at the end of his life, now I'm talking now at the end because I know it's over. At the end of his life, he would go to these schools and he would do the exhibition, but he would stop at halftime. Everybody else was resting. Everybody else was doing what they were doing. And he would go over to the crowd full of people and he would preach. 
who had preached Jesus to them at the halftime. And that's what he was doing in his last days, in his last weeks. And it just happened to be that he was doing all these exhibitions. So the day he died, his 2004, it was in October, it was last month, the day he died, he was at an exhibition, the school was packed, it was a private school, tons of kids there, kind of sad. He's on the basketball court, he put his shoes and his past basketball clothes on the same way he had every time in his life, and he was running down the court, and one of his teammates threw him the ball, and when he went to catch it, he dropped dead of a heart attack on the basketball court at 27 years old. So how many know visuals help us sometimes? That says historical legend of ba national basketball in Costa Rica. But now, Cito is remembered for by many people. So he dies, and I get to do his funeral. And there's thousands of people there. Were you guys at the funeral? Do you know? Do you remember? Yeah? Thousands of people there. The news is there, and I get to do his funeral. And 400 people got saved at his funeral. 400 people. So what is my example? My example is that what do you want to be when you die? I'm telling you about my friend, and I'm talking about him today, 11 years later, in another country, because the life he lived at the end was something different than he was before he met Jesus. And the life he lived at the end, because he lived that life, and because I was able to give an altar call at his funeral, 400 people got saved and changed from that red dot to eternity with Jesus because of his dash. Amen. Amen. What he became. And, of course, I can go the other way this morning, and I can go to someone like Jared from Subway. He's still alive, but he wishes he was dead. Amen. I'm sure you haven't been in a cave and everybody knows who Jared is from Subway, right? The guy who lost all the weight. So I've given a great example of my friend Sita, and I'll go to the other side of how you can ruin your dash. It, you know what? He, he was known as losing weight. He was, this, he was the picture of Subway. Subway's the largest chain in, in the world. It's, more than bigger, it's bigger than McDonald's. It's past McDonald's. It's the largest chain in the world. He had a platform that was given to him to make a difference. And of course, if you don't know what happened, he got caught with child pornography and he just got sentenced to 16 years in prison. Those 16 years are going to be like an eternity for him when you mess with kids, okay? That's why I say you wish he was dead. But look at something like that. Look how quickly a great image and a great name can change from bad decisions. Amen? I'm just trying to get you to think this morning that you might think, you know, I'm, I'm really not anybody. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm, just a, I'm just a somebody. I'm not important. No one knows my name. If you were to Google me right now, you would, no one would find me. I'm a nobody. But you know what? That's what's so awesome about serving God. Because in eternity, you are a somebody. Amen. On this earth, you're a nobody. On this earth, I'm a nobody. But in eternity, I'm a somebody. Amen. That's what's so amazing about Jesus, that he, is, he has given us the opportunity to be equal with him in glory, in the fact that we can be saved, give our lives to him, and make an eternal difference. An eternal difference. Amen? As the musicians are coming this morning, I want to close with one last story. I want to tell you the mercy of God. The mercy of God. How many know God's mercy is amazing? This will hit home with my sister who happens to be here. I didn't plan this, but she just happened to be here. 
when we were growing, uh, not growing up, we grew up together anyways, right, brother and sister, when we were getting older, and I had given my life to the Lord, and I was now the BC, or the AC, the AC from the BC, amen, I became a, a youth leader at our church, and we worked with youth, and my sister was in our youth group, and we had a guy named Ricky Cañas, and he was an amazing uh, uh, guy, got saved, big, you can picture Robert's big shoulders, but he almost looked like Mr. Incredible, he kind of went down, he was just big chested, huge guy, about 6'2", and um, he got saved, and he would do those, ever seen human videos where people act out the song? He did the most, my mom and dad known too, did the most amazing um, dramas. And the crazy thing about him was that he, we would be practicing at the church, and he would do this one called This Blood's For You, and he would play Jesus. And he did it so amazing that I would be in tears at practice. It wasn't in front of anybody. It was at practice. And he put so much emphasis into it. It was just amazing. Well, I was able to lead him to the Lord as well. He was gangbanger, smoked weed, drank, did all that stuff, changed his life. But he backslid. You can backslide, by the way. He backslid. And he went back to his old life. And he began to live for the devil again. He began to get back into gangbanging. He began to back into drinking and smoking. And one day, I remember it like it was yesterday, I got a horrible call. A call you never want to get. Kind of like this. He said, Ricky's dead. He's died in a car accident. I mean, I hate those calls. Ricky's dead. So it just rocked me to my core. I was 21. We were the same age. And um, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And, and the first thing I thought of was, his dash is ruined. And, and I just immediately began to think of eternity. You know, I thought, God, that, his little red thing's over. And now he is in eternity. And all I could think of was he's in hell. I knew the life he was living. When they found his car, it was full of beer. They found weed in his car. He had been with several girls that night in his car. I mean, it was a bad situation. And the more I heard, the worse it got. And I remember getting to the funeral, and uh, he, what had happened is he had, he had been driving home at night on a two-lane street, and he had hit the cement on a bridge that, you know, that, that, that holds the bridge up. He had swerved, fell asleep, hit the, hit the cement, and it threw him out of his truck. I don't know how many yards, but it threw him so hard, and when he, when he landed, he basically landed on his face and just pretty much caved his face in. And, and uh, that's how he died. And so at the funeral, we had heard all that. And we, I remember visiting him. And I don't know if you remember this. I was so mad because they were putting cigarettes in his ca casket. and I mean, all kinds of stuff. I was just, ugh. I was making it worse. And uh, his chest was already big anyway. He was a big guy. But his chest was huge. I mean, he, he just looked inflated. And uh, we found out later why. And the, the amazing thing is, is at the, we'd never know. I think I mentioned this. Didn't I just use, mention this the other night? Okay. Well, I mentioned this at a forum. That's right. But not everybody was here. And the amazing thing is, is that his, his uh, chest was, was big. And I remember thinking, why is it like that? Well, come to find out at the funeral, some paramedics that went to rescue him knew him. And they said that when they found him, he had been alive at least 45 minutes. And I know that I know that I know that he got right with the Lord. 
It was the most painful 45 minutes of his life because he was trying so hard to breathe. That's why his chest was so big. He was taking those humongous breaths, kind of like Jesus did on the cross. And he was taking those huge breaths just to stay alive, but he was alive for 45 minutes. And I know today, I believe that I know that he's in heaven. But see, that's not, the, that's not what, what you want to be remembered for. That you died in an accident, you had beer and marijuana in your car. How many don't want to die and have a, have a, a discussion of whether or not you were saved after? How many want to have, God forbid, your funeral, 10 out of 10 are going to die. Jesus come back, that's my hope, amen, that we'll be able to be able to go in the rapture. But if you die, how many want that funeral to be a celebration and there'll be absolutely no doubt that you are in heaven, amen? And that you've made a difference.